Hello and welcome to the All Terrain Podcast, brought to you by the Youth and Children's Ministry Unit of the Salvation Army in the UK and Republic of Ireland. My name is Matt White and in each episode I'll be inviting a guest to take a hypothetical hike with me as we find out about their real life journey to this point. Along the way, they'll make four choices and answer four questions. My guest for this episode is Miriam Swanson. Miriam is the Global Student Mission Leader at Fusion, a student mission movement that originates in the UK. She recently relocated to Florida with her husband where she continues to develop her vision for reaching students through that movement. As a speaker, she is in great demand across college campuses and global events. So it was a real pleasure to chat to Miriam just a few weeks ago. So let's jump straight into that conversation. Hello, Miriam. Thanks for joining us. Hi, you're welcome. Good to be here. Um, now, tell us a bit about yourself. We've talked a little bit about Fusion and where you are in uh, now in America, but tell us a bit about yourself and what you do. Yeah, so I'm Miriam. I've been working for Fusion, which is a, a movement that helps churches reach university students all over the place, mainly in Europe and now a little bit further afield. I've been doing that for nearly 10 years and uh, been living in America for just over a year. So my baptism of fire to this culture was 2020, mm. quite the time to have moved mm. to America. Mm. But, but um, <laughs> yeah, I, mar- I married an American inconveniently and then mm. uh, somebody had to move continents. So yes. uh, I live in Florida now. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> and uh, yeah, Ben and I still, we were students and um, yeah, I guess I'm just learning a new land and what it might look like for the church to really wake up to young adults and young adults wake up to Jesus over here. So uh that's wow. where I am. And, and is your husband from Florida? Is that the part of America he's from? Yeah, that's right. So he is, um, he's sort of a long haired, sort of looks like a retired hippie surfer sort of bloke that mm. actually works on campus ministry. But okay. yeah, he's um, dwelt by the beach for 20 years. Wow. And so uh, I've joined his community and uh, some really rich friendships here. So that, that feels like a gift. People go, oh, I've been to Florida because I've been to Disneyland and it's and that's wonderful. But right. Florida itself is so much richer than that. Like if you haven't kind of been to the Everglades or some of the like even the beaches, like I um, I went to Sarasota. I spent a week in Sarasota working oh, nice. and the sand in Sarasota is like no sand anywhere else I've ever been in the world. It's like chalk dust. And it's like so everywhere wow. you go in Florida, it's just so different. It's such a it's such a, I, I love it there. I have a yeah. lot of friends and I really it, like it. Thank you. It's beautiful. It's humid. But um, we do have palm trees wrapped in Christmas lights currently. So it's quite a fun place to be. <laughs> <laughs> and, and quite different, I guess, from where you were before. Where rights from the UK were you from? So my accent uh, is North London. So I grew up in Hertfordshire, okay. rural, to be honest. Tiny church, tiny youth group, great mm. time. Mm. Went to university up at the University of York, fell in love with the North, stayed. Mm. So I did most of my adult life in York. And then I moved um, couple for a couple years to an, a brilliant little town called Middlesbrough in the northeast of mm. England. Love it big university there not a lot of student mission going mm. on there and so recognized the need I moved into a sort of tough estate in the center of the town wow. moved into a little terrace house and fell in love with my neighbors and so oh, wow. that's the that was the biggest um but actually the thing that made me cry the most when I moved to America was leaving my neighbors in my street and this funny little town in the northeast that caught my heart so mm. um yeah, Middlesbrough, what a mighty place. Ah, wonderful. Now, um, now, before we get started with the questions, you've got to make two of your choices here on the Alter in Podcast. So the first one is this, where are we walking? Where is our hypothetical hike taking place? Um, I'm going to say the mountains, because uh, we've just got back from visiting the mountains in North Carolina, so the Appalachian Trail, a really mm. famous hike through like these smoky mountains and stuff. So I reckon we'll go for the mountains of North Carolina. Beautiful. And were you there just kind of holiday and just kind of checking it out? Yeah, it's just our anniversary, so uh, we oh, borrowed nice. a cabin for a weekend and went for a little hike. 
Oh, lovely. Very nice. Uh, and now, who's coming with us? Obviously, you're here. I'm here. But you get to bring three people. So one is living, one is dead, one is fictional. So who is your living? Oh, gosh. This is really hard because, you know, if friends listen to this and I haven't seen loads of people from England mm. for ages, then it feels a bit rude to, like, not pick somebody. It does. But, but hopefully you know, they'll just text I, okay. you and not tweet me. So we should be all right. <laughs> you know what? I, she couldn't do the hike now, but I'm going to pick grandma oh, nice. just because she's an absolute legend. Yes. And um, and if grandma 89 was on a hike up the Appalachian Trail, I would, you know, we genuinely would have confirmed that the Holy Spirit works miracles. So, um, <laughs> to be fair, if you've got me on a hike on an Appalachian Trail, the Holy Spirit works yeah. miracles. <laughs> to be fair, the scenario already is a bit strange. I'm going to put my grandma in there as yeah. a as somebody that would be really interesting to go on a hike Good. with. Uh, uh, no, and someone who's someone who's dead. I guess I'll go for uh, Mother Teresa. Mm. So we've got two grandmas on the hike mm. right now. One is a nun, and one looks like she could be a nun. And both of them are outpacing me, so let's not worry too it's much. It's going to be a yeah. slow hike. Yeah, it's going to be a slow hike. It's going to be a very slow. Hike. Why Mother Teresa? Because uh, my heroes of the faith that are still alive, I can't pick for this mm. category. Mm. But um, anyone who's got a laid down life who understands that um, Jesus is found in the eyes of the poor and um, experienced most fully when you live in community with mm. those with the least in the world uh, gets something of the gospel that is very difficult to catch a hold of in our affluent, privileged West. Mm. And so anyone that's discovered the secret way, like the narrow way, mm. I think I want to be around great and finally a fictional character uh you know what peter pan oh when i was small and every time it was world book day and he got to dress up mm. i dressed up as peter pan because i just thought i'd love to live in the trees and fly just literally out of sheer world book day sort of throw yes. 25 years ago peter pan peter, what a great choice i'm very happy with that thanks so much i'm good with that so we've got your grandma mother Teresa, peter pan you and me <laughs> This is a ridiculous journey. So uh, every guest here on the Old Trim podcast answers the same four questions. So here's the first one. How do you face change? That's a difficult question. Do you know that the change is coming or is it just it's happening to you like right here and now? Mm. So there's one way of facing change, which you have chosen and are stepping into. Mm -hmm. And there's another way in which you get a phone call from the hospital and change happens. Mm -hmm. So I think... In terms of preparing for change, which you either is inevitable, you're going off to university, you're starting a new job, mm -hmm. you've begun a new relationship. I think I prepare for change. Uh, I'm an external processor, so I probably do want to talk it out in community. I really value the power of community mm -hmm. for um, processing, for discerning, for prayer, for encouragement, for wisdom. Um, I actually, I'm, I because I'm being an external processor, I also do write things down. So I, I actually... Like I was just doing this about a big change coming up in my life mm. uh, last night. I actually sat down and wrote down what I see going ahead. Mm. What What is my sense of what this change will feel mm. like, look like, be experienced? Mm. What are some of my concerns around it? What are my hopes and dreams? Mm. What are um, my prayers? So I actually try and quite methodically think through and envision uh, the future and I suppose let Jesus into the naming of expectations, the naming of disappointments, the naming of fears and the naming of dreams. Mm. When it comes to unexpected change, which comes to all of us, and in 2020, there's no shortage of the list of change mm. that's happened that we couldn't have predicted. Um, I suppose trying to remain deeply present, like with the example of the COVID-19 pandemic, 
Um, you can't rush ahead to the future of a new normal that doesn't exist. Mm. And uh, there is no going back. Mm. So recognizing the best thing I can do is stay present, try and love my neighbor as if they were myself mm. and try and um, keep asking Jesus, what would your invitation be today for mm. me then? Be mm. Because I actually can't even plan tomorrow. And um, Jesus does talk about not worrying about tomorrow because mm. today has got enough trouble of its own. And mm. so, trying to stay present, mm. trying to keep Jesus in the conversation. So it can be easier sometimes to ignore him and try and practically sort yourself out when mm. change is afoot. Yeah, and I, I guess sometimes you just need to take a deep breath and hold on. Mm. Sometimes change comes rushing at you, mm. like a difficult phone call because your parents in hospital. And in that moment, you're like, everything is changing. Mm. Who doesn't change? Mm. The presence of God in me. Mm. God's hands all over our life, taking care of us, molding us, shaping us with us. Okay. So Emmanuel, God with us, that is unchanging. Mm. Therefore, I don't have to live under my circumstances. I can walk through them with him. So I suppose deep reminders like that, mm -hmm. even in times of total shock, mm. um, they probably anchor me just to remember the truth that I've been raised in, the truth that I live by, I suppose. Mm. You, you talked about how one of the ways you prepare yourself for a change that you know is coming is to kind of write stuff down, to kind of figure mm -hmm. out what's happening both in the in the practical and in the prophetic as well and, and what kind of is going on in that moment. How then, I guess, for someone who does that so much, how easy is it to switch gear then? Because I guess if you think about you moved to Florida last year, so you, you, mm -hmm. you work all that out, you make your list and all the rest of it, then you get there and this pandemic strikes. How easy is it to bring those things with you um, into those sudden changes? I think self-awareness and God-awareness makes a whole heap of difference to how you respond to situations. Mm. So being, for example, being self-aware about the fact that I was preparing for unforeseen circumstances in a marriage that was going to be across continents, that was involving an immigration process, mm. and that was involving a brand new culture. Mm. So by talking with the Lord around, I hope that, you know, I find friends. Mm. I hope that um, I find my place in church community here, mm. having been leading in churches in the UK mm. to go to an, an anonymous you know, been in church here is an interesting move. And, mm. you know, I hope that Ben and I actually get on well when we live together for mm. the first time. <laughs> mm. And then when unforeseen stuff comes, like 2020, in fact, we've spent over half of our marriage living with people because they've needed a room and COVID crisis hasn't helped them find mm. home. And so we've actually had to take some people in at different mm. times in our marriage already. Mm. That's not ideal. Mm. People wouldn't advise you to live with somebody for over half of your first year of marriage. Mm. And yet, because I did a little bit of processing about my expectations, I can have a little moment to grieve with mm. God where I thought we'd have more time just working out how to live together, just us. Mm. But secondly, also recognize, gosh, the change of living in community. If I can healthily be self-aware enough to go, I do really believe in community. I just didn't expect it my first year of marriage. Mm. I can then adjust my expectations to the change and recognize, mm. okay, well, our marriage needs to get better at communicating than ever. Yeah. So, yeah, I think sort of preparation and thought, it doesn't in a way the unpredictable of course not but it can make you a little bit more self-aware and god aware about your maybe unspoken expectation or and that allows jesus into the conversation even when sometimes it's disappointment that they're met with as well as him totally exceeding your expectations in ways you couldn't have imagined mm. you you talked a little bit about being um, fully present and recognizing that god as emmanuel is is present with us I guess one of the big challenges mm. for people is when those um sudden things happen the phone call from the hospital 
the pandemic, the, the, the sudden tragedy or the loss of job many people have experienced this year, all those things. That's right. It, it can be so easy, I guess, to forget that. What are the kind of spiritual practices that help you center that kind of sense of Emmanuel presence with you? Something we've been doing, Ben and I, is um, something called centering prayer every mm. morning. The centering prayer in practice is like herding, like it's ridiculous. Like you try and sit in silence for 20 minutes and you you basically pick a word, a sentence, a phrase, something that will focus you back on Jesus mm. when your mind inevitably wanders in a hundred different directions. Mm. And so, you know, it might be, it might be as simple as the word present or mm. Emmanuel. Mm. It might be love. It could be Yahweh. And you focus on your breathing like mm. Yahweh is likened to breath of God in mm. terms of even how you say it sounds mm. like you're breathing in and out. And so we've basically practiced 20 minutes silence, centering prayer every morning. Mm. Um, and uh, that's a very practical way mm -hmm. to remind your heart, body, mind, soul. Be present to the presence of God with you mm. before you do anything, before you go to work and perform, mm. before your job hunt, before mm. you get on social media. Mm. Be present to the God who is present. Mm. So it's not easy, but that discipline has been an important one for us. And for people who are listening, I guess it's um, I, I find centering prayer really difficult. Yeah. But um, the, the thing, because I guess a lot of people would listen and go, well, that sounds lovely, but the door will go or I'll do this or that. And, and the really simple practice is that, of course, when you find your mind wandering, you just you don't give yourself a hard time about it. You just come That's back right. to the word and you just go back to the word. And and again, for, for people who have tried it. I think the experience of it is that what seems almost impossible at the start, you find yourself mm -hmm. after a couple of weeks, like anything, I guess, like exercise, like meditate, like anything, you find yourself right. suddenly getting through that 20 minutes and you go, I don't think my mind wandered as many times today. That's it. That's it. And you're so right. It is not to beat yourself up, mm. even when your thoughts go off and you think that's actually a really important thought mm. I've had. That actually could have been the Holy Spirit reminding me mm. to reach out to that person. Mm. It's recognizing, do I trust God enough to not get up and write a to-do mm -hmm. list? Can I sit there and recognize if that is mm. from him, it will mm. come back. Mm -hmm. But for now, let it just go past like a thought mm -hmm. flowing down a river mm -hmm. and you just stay in that river. You mm. can watch those thoughts go past mm. and just keep keep drawing it back in. And mm. Ben and I end up laughing half the time in ours because if somebody's tummy rumbles first thing in the morning, mm. it's funny. Mm. Do you know, like if mm. suddenly our neighbor's having an absolute hollering match and they're like really loudly on the phone, mm -hmm. it's not that we're, we've suddenly become all pious and holy yeah. and separate. We're just trying to recognize God's presence in us before we do anything. Yeah. That's all. <laughs> and it's not a stop and it's not a stop clock. It's not like you have to go up, oh, start again, 20 minutes. It's that you don't, exactly. it's, not, it's, not, it's not an endurance thing. It's about going actually, how do I do this? And again, sometimes it can be super simple. Like the word king you literally just yes. see it and you just focus on that word and again for me it centering prayer is like one of it's like when people describe it to me it was like my worst nightmare I was just like there's no way I can do that <laughs> it's not for me but actually I have found it to be such a beautiful practice of um just helping me like you say I mean I think you know if you think about some of the things that right now culturally work mindfulness headspace app all those things it's very mm -hmm. similar it's it's allowing yeah, totally. one thing to occupy your mind and that thing is the word like king Emmanuel Jesus god father spirit whatever you want it that's to be right. you just right. pick it and 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 it is it is truly wonderful it really is what tangible difference or benefit have you seen from that i think it's really helped me not um not rush into my day but mm. to choose that my day would start deliberately particularly working from home mm -hmm. which we've got the privilege of being able to still work but it really means you live with your work mm. unless you're very disciplined about a workspace and not everyone has the space to create an office. You really can end up perpetually kind mm. of working. Mm -hmm. And so 
for me, it's been a big part of first things first and centering before moving out from the center with some more practical areas, particularly mm. in sort of doing ministry stuff. Mm. It'd be ashamed to talk about Jesus and not sit with him the whole time. So, yeah, I think that that's been a big difference. I've not felt hurried. I've mm. not felt so much pressure either to perform or to respond to people. Another part of this, which is probably worth mentioning, is that we don't have our phones by our beds. Mm. And so there's a moment where we will put our phones down. We don't charge them in our room anymore. Phones down, mm. um, airplane mode on or, you know, just do not disturb, mm. whatever. And it's mm. in a different room of the house. Mm. And uh, that just reminds the world, technology, mm -hmm. people that might want something from you mm. or you would think that they do. Mm. It just reminds who's in charge. Mm. And so there is no responding on our phones until mm. we've sat with Jesus mm. first. There is no picking up work messages mm. until we've been with God. Mm. And so the technology element to mm. it, um, I think, is quite an important area of trying Definitely. to get some of those herded cats back into their place. <laughs> Tim Alford, when he did the show, we recorded a live episode with Tim last year. And, and we talked about that a lot. And, you know, one of my big things is buy an alarm clock. If you're using your phone as your alarm clock, it means it's right next to you. Buy an alarm clock. Like, That's right. And, That's and, right. And trust it. It'll work. They, they worked for many years before we had iPhones. <laughs> like alarm clocks work. I Exactly. I got a, an alarm clock radio so that my phone wasn't in my room when right. I lived in Middlesbrough. And now, thanks to the joys of Alexa, which I'm still not convinced is a good idea to have her. But anyway, um, we just announce when we want an alarm. Yeah. And then she even says good morning, but just to Ben, because she doesn't know it's both of us. So she's like, good morning, Benjamin, mm. which is... Which is polite and weird. Mm, but, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I, I think I think for me there's something really interesting because you know like when Tim was on and, and now you, you've talked about that technology thing and it's really easy to feel like you know it's, you're berating people. It's not that you don't have a phone. It's not that you don't have technology. No, it's not that you right. don't have an Alexa. It's it's that choice at the start of the day. That thing that says what comes first and what comes first for you and for Ben is that sense of sitting centering prayer giving that time to jesus own social media and people have so much power over us or mm. certainly over me mm. that it's just telling who's boss mm. and it's it's not that i'm on social media i, I need to be for work mm. i enjoy um instagram i enjoy um particularly what living overseas i'm so grateful for things like mm. whatsapp and for mm. um the ability to message with family and Absolutely. friends and keep up with people of course but um I'm also the kind of personality that's very sociable, deep, deep feeler, mm -hmm. and very, very aware of other people. So mm -hmm. if I spend too much time on social media, I'll take on everybody's mm -hmm. emotions, whether mm -hmm. they be totally unfiltered and mm -hmm. a nightmare, mm -hmm. or, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm a sponge when it comes to how other people's hearts mm -hmm. are doing. And so mm -hmm. for me to just remind technology and everything that can come at me, that isn't boss, that, mm -hmm. that isn't what rules my mm -hmm. emotions, my mind, my prayer life. Mm -hmm. I am enough in Jesus, even if I never uh, responded to anybody on uh, my phone again. Yeah. I am enough for him. Yeah. Out of the place of being with him and mm. me being enough just because he's with me and I'm with him, mm. I'm probably more likely to healthily respond rather than feel like I'm crisis managing mm. a world news feed that uh, actually none of us can do. We're not actually made to be able to do that well. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, that takes us sort of into uh, our second question, because the second question is, how do we move through suffering? I mean, that's a big question, isn't it? And it is one of those things where people have very different experiences of what suffering is. And in mm. this 2020 season, I think something I've noticed is some ways that people have suffered. They've almost tried. They've almost felt like they better disqualify it because they didn't. Um, somebody didn't die. Mm. 
whereas actually there's some you know we were just talking earlier about there's real tangible grief in people mm. having to cancel their wedding days mm. and um and so not belittling mm. your experience of suffering mm. but in all experiences turning towards the mm. father rather than away from god mm. in your moments of pain and suffering i think it's all to do with posture at how you look look at it look mm -hmm. through it mm -hmm. find jesus in it mm -hmm. reach out to god um, right in the midst mm. it, our response to suffering is much more wrapped up mm -hmm. in like our health of getting through it i know for me um i've been you know i've been had the privilege of being raised by parents that love jesus and so um from as long as i could read um i really valued the words of the bible mm. and have found them to be uh, meaningful not irrelevant and mm. so in times of deep suffering i have really been drawn back to scripture and mm. often stood upon either the lament of the psalms and found a friend in david or the promises that you see um spoken in isaiah or mm. by jeremiah mm. or just some of the words of life that jesus offers us um, i've ended up you know writing them out pinning them on my mm. wall right now i have psalm 40 pinned on my wall mm. right directly in front of my eyes as a prayer around um just really been praying for young adults in this season and mm. teenagers. Mm. I just think they've had an absolute kicking in 2020, mm -hmm. uh, such a formational time. And so I've been praying Psalm 40, which mm. is around God picking you up out of the slimy pit, mm. putting you on a solid rock, giving mm. you a new song in your mouth to sing, and mm. that many people, people would actually come to the Lord through this mm. rather than be drowned by it. And mm. so scripture has been a really important rock for me in times mm. of suffering. I remember I covered my wardrobe with um, postcards, with um, just scripture when mm. my parents uh, were going through a divorce in the middle of my time at university, mm. because I was like, gosh, I actually don't, I don't have a family unit to stand on at the moment. This thing is crumbling underneath mm. my feet. Who do I stand on? Mm. What do I stand on that isn't shifting and changing like sand? Mm. And so knowing the love of the father was there, mm. having some biblical words that reminded me that somebody had put anciently and found to be true not just mm. today mm. i found really really helpful mm. and so yeah scripture's always been a big um anchor point for me through mm. suffering for sure i was interested right at the start of that answer because you were talking about um the sense of how easy it is to get into that comparison thing and i I'm, I'm always a big fan of saying to people it might not be the end of the world but it's also not a competition like we, we it, your, right. your suffering is very real I guess for you in working with young adults and particularly in, in a student ministry for some of what you come up against you're, we're going to be dealing with deep trauma or the type of experience that you went through with where family units are breaking down or or some really uh, huge mental health issues around being in places but I guess you also see some of the other stuff the breakups the they said no when I asked them out. The, some of the other That's stuff. That's right. Are there things that you have learned or things that you would pass on to those people in whether it's the what feels like the big stuff in the in the reality or whether it just feels like the big stuff to that person in that moment? Yeah, you know, the, the 20s is such a huge decade where you can rock it through life stages and changes. Mm. And when you leave home, a lot of stuff comes unstuck mm -hmm. around what was I brought up in? What do I believe now? Mm -hmm. Family units falling apart when the last kid leaves, which is my story, or um, crisis of faith, or suddenly you're starting school again, but you're an adult. So what on earth do I do about friends and fitting in? Mm. And, uh, and, you know, like we had some real, you know, you often get people's trauma comes out, to be mm -hmm. honest, if they've not felt safe to say what happened to them as a child at home, they have mm -hmm. felt safe 
in a new context or kind of anonymously. Mm. One of the privileges of working with students is that Ben and I become those extra parents, even mm. though I'm only 32. The truth is we become safe adults for students that need safe adults having left home. Yeah. And maybe difficult contexts or areas that haven't quite found the space yet. Mm. Probably the biggest lesson I've learned is that you've like the, the older I've got, the less I've realized I have to say. <laughs> and like the less I can offer other than presence and then prayer. Mm. And so um, I will forever be walking with young adults through nightmare boyfriend situations, boundaries, mm. trying to work out how much mm. they should or shouldn't drink, mm. all that stuff mm. forever. But we will also forever be wrestling with some of the big questions of mortality and faith mm. and um, yeah, like what they've grown up to believe and mm. really starting to question who do I want to be in the rest of my mm. life? Who do I want to be in this messed up, blessed up world? Like, mm. what is my contribution? Mm. So, yeah, recognizing there is, you are valid mm. to have a voice, to have a space, to have those feelings. Mm. You are not stupid mm. for this being the biggest thing in your world right now. Mm. And then the, the gift of the gift of not being 21 means there is some perspective that comes. Mm. And actually, if you've given them space to listen and to process, they often do want to hear What's it like from your, you know, up the road? What's it like from somebody that dated mm. in their 20s mm. but didn't get married till their 30s? And mm. so being able to offer a little bit of hope mm. to people that feel utterly heartbroken mm. by that boy that said no mm. or that their, their their dream job didn't fall into their lap upon graduation, particularly yeah. not at the moment, or their first funeral. Mm. And just be, being able to talk to them as a, you know, and even more, if you're parent age, you really do have a voice to young adults that, mm. that aren't just your kids. Like, mm. You really do. Mm. But... um Young adults, I think we we long to have perspective and wisdom, but we also long for relationships. So if we're not listened to, we're unlikely to want to listen to well, your wisdom back. And that, and that sort of struck me that almost it's in it's in choosing not to belittle, it's in choosing to be present in in all right. of it that actually then trust and companionship and all of those things are built. If I think about, you know, if my, that's why in, in wedding vows, we talk about better and worse, richer and poorer, sickness and health. You can't just be there for whenever the student comes in and says, I want to talk about the afterlife. You have to be present all the time. Otherwise you're not going to be the person that anyone will want right. to trust whenever they then want to ask that other question. Cause actually you, the relationship isn't built right. on just waiting on those key moments. Like I guess, for me, I guess for many people, that's what they were trained or taught. You sort of, you're hanging around until the big Jesus question comes. That's You're saying <laughs> that's the wrong way around. And I think that's absolutely right. Oh gosh, no. It's it's yeah. full presence because actually it's about being that constant, isn't it? That's what's important. Well, and, and God is interested in why is it you're not sleeping well? Mm. And he's interested in what about the Bible do you just find so difficult mm. to get on board with? Mm. And he's interested in how do I give my life to Jesus mm. Mm. <laughs> and everything in between? Mm. So yeah, people are never a means to an end. Yes. They just can't be. People never get in the way of your calling. They yeah. are your calling. Mm. People are not to be used, tallied up, moved on to find your next target. Jesus mm. just chose to spend time mm. with people without often a very clear result mm. at the end of it. Mm. He was, he was present in, grief and in the pouring out of perfume and there was very little sinners prayer mm. involved mm -hmm. and way more present to the moment and all of the mess of the pharisees mm -hmm. or the ostracized woman at the well mm. or the bleeding or the mm. dead like mm. he was just there mm. being alive mm. um and somehow bringing life in his presence and so i do think the holy spirit's in us so i do think there is a way to be present with the presence of god mm. and him 
and him to actually think, gosh, that could be the best gift you've given the person in front of you. Mm. It's time to face another one of the choices for the walk. So just in case it gets a bit quiet or myself and the elderly ladies have fallen too far back, um, you have a playlist, <laughs> you have some headphones. So uh, what would be on your kind of music playlist of choice? I mean, I like a bit of everything, but um, I'm I'm a words girl. So anything that's got good lyrics that I can actually hear, okay. that, that makes a big difference to mm. me. And so any sort of singer songwriters that get under the skin of the human experience, mm. I love and so in terms of at the moment sort of artists that I've that we're listening to on repeat at the moment no one would have heard of him I don't suppose in England but um check out a bloke called Noah Gunderson okay. he's got he's an amazing singer songwriter with a deep soul mm. if I was going to go for for worship music we're really loving Maverick City and um Common Hymnal at the moment mm. as two two kind of worship collectives that really do represent way more tribes and tongues oh, but you know yeah. it sounds sounds quite like heaven i think yeah that yeah. that's who i'm listening to worship wise mm. or yeah anyone that's got, got a bit of soul to how they write i'm a big fan of it's interesting because if someone said to me what worship music are you listening to i wouldn't put common hymn alone that weirdly because uh, for me it's sort of transcends it's not generic is it it's not it transcends <laughs> everything else it's not it's not four chords and a bridge i mean it really does have yep um and also, I think because it's so eclectic, it doesn't fit that mold of one of the big denominations or one of the bands or one of the signs. That's right. It, Common Hymnal, I absolutely yeah. love that. I might have to borrow your headphones, um, but I'm, I am, as I say, <laughs> I am several miles behind you. So yeah, you know, yeah, it'll be ages give before them a chat. you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so back to the questions then. Question three is, how do you receive joy? I am naturally uh, a very hope-filled person. And so it's easy for me to laugh it is easy for me to see the glass half full. It is easy for me to expect the best in people. Mm. So in some ways, joy feels very unique and indescribable because mm. it isn't, I think it's deeper than a fleeting moment or a fleeting feeling. Mm. But um, I do really enjoy, there are some moments where you, it's almost like you've caught the eye of God mm. and he's given you a wink and been like, that actually was me. Or mm. just like, enjoy this moment, Miriam. Or... Um, you're welcome. And I love, I love when it feels like you've stumbled into the kindness of God, the humor of God, mm. God's presence in the middle of when you least expect it. Mm. And so anything, I mean, I, I love surprises as well. So anything that kind of catches me by surprise mm. in a joy fill, which is often something to do with feeling like, oh my gosh, God is at work here. And I've stumbled into what he's already up to. Mm. Like he beat me to it. Mm. Like he had an even better idea than mm. me in maybe bump into that person or um having this breakthrough for people listening they might be like oh i've never experienced that give us an example of an of experience where you kind of had that moment like god was kind of winking at you or there was a sense of like that's just, <laughs> that's for you oh gosh all the time you know one of my favorite stories that's ever happened to me is so bonkers um Back uh, a few years ago, I, I basically fundraised and bought a bright orange VW camper van, 1972 bay window, proper hippie van. And I drove it around the UK for two years and visited every university campus and prayed oh. with the local churches in every university location for revival and uh, met students, used the van as a prayer van, used it for club mission. Basically, we called it the Fusion Road Trip. And I literally went on a road trip in a mm. camper van. On the very last kind of ending trip of this camper van ordeal, which had been phenomenal, but it was time to sell it. It was mm. time for my job to move on, for mm. me to get a team of evangelists and for Fusion to grow in a, in, you know, a direction that wasn't just me in a van. Mm. Um, 
So it was kind of a grieving, grieving moment going, mm. God, I've had such an adventure over the last two years. I, what do I do now? Mm. I know that there's plenty more to do, but I went to wash the van at a car wash. And long story short, there was a bloke in the car wash that I recognised, but I thought he was a taxi driver just because of the flat cap he was wearing. <laughs> and um, I was like, why does that face look so familiar? Anyway, popped into the office. I was sat there with a bunch of customers all waiting while their stuff were getting washed and as soon as and I sort of said hi to him instinctively like he was mm. an old friend mm. which was weird because I was just like I mean I do say hi to strangers but honestly calm down Miriam it's a bit weird this bloke walks in I'm like hi yeah <laughs> anyway he goes he, he goes out again and so then the uh, owner of the car wash turns to me and goes do you know who that guy is and I said no but I know that I spoke to him like I did that was a bit embarrassing and he goes that's Chris Akabusi as in the famous guy that was an Olympic hurdler that was a TV presenter that was very much on TV and a personality with me growing up. He also happens to be from, um, have a faith story. He mm. also happens to be my dad's friend when dad used to be an Olympic chaplain. He also happens to have been with my dad when I was born because I was born early whilst dad was in the Korean Olympics. No. So he missed it. And he also happens to have known me when I was a child. And so suddenly this hilarious scenario comes crashing in where I felt like the Lord just went, watch what I can do yeah. with your past, your present yeah. and your future yeah. in one minute yeah. and combine all my favorite things yeah. like the road trip, yeah. meeting strangers. Yeah. I got to share with him about Jesus again. Yeah. He'd been on his own story and actually could have done with connecting to dad yeah. in that moment. And there was this fun moment of going, I was actually preparing to be sad mm. that a season was over mm. and the Lord just walked straight in with joy mm. in an unexpected gift that he said, you've seen nothing yet. Mm. That is so amazing. that's what I mean by think of yes. who can make that yeah. you know, but you go, that's such a divine yeah. sense of humor. Like, yeah. It's yeah. amazing. I love that story. Um, and I think one of the things I really liked was when I asked you to name one, you went, oh, they happen all the time. And I can't help but wonder if one of the ways you receive joy like that is because you're looking out for it. Like almost like you talked about posture yeah, in one of your first answers you talked about. I wonder if there's something about the way you've positioned yourself that says, I am going to find this. I am going to receive this joy because I am on the lookout for it. You know, that I think is crucial. Again, God aware and self-aware, that mm. perspective on how you choose to move through life mm. is huge. And it's not that I'm like, Positive thinking means you have positive days. Mm. It's like there's more than that. God is at work in the world. You get to join in. Mm -hmm. So if you, if you, you know, step out of your front door assuming God is good, God is kind, God mm -hmm. is with you, also in your neighbor and he's up to stuff, mm. I think you're far more likely to pay attention to it. A bit like when you get a VW camper van, you think every bought a VW camper van because you mm. everywhere. Mm. It's actually just because you've become aware of something that is present in your life. Mm. So you spot them everywhere. Mm. And, you know, this has actually been a really interesting area for Ben and I in marriage because mm. Ben isn't naturally assumed the best Mr. Joy, Mr. Hopeful. He's had a lot of a loss in his life, as I'm sure many people listening here, particularly with the 2020 story that mm. we've had in different ways. There is an element where joy feels scary, mm. too costly, mm. because what if it disappoints? Mm. I know the Bible says hope doesn't disappoint, but certainly our experience is we hope for things that don't happen it's way more painful than it not been looking out for them mm -hmm. in the first place mm -hmm. and so that's been a real interesting journey in mm -hmm. mine and ben's friendship around what does it look like to have hope to mm -hmm. to assume the best mm -hmm. and to look out for the fingerprints of god mm -hmm. even though 
being present to the world like that, mm. it, you'll feel more. And that means sometimes it will hurt more mm. than if you try and numb yourself and go, mm. today doesn't matter. It's mm. all not really a thing. Mm. Everything's a bit of a coincidence. Mm. I'll shrug it off and move mm. on. Ben isn't like that. But I think having experienced a lot of pain and grief mm. and loss in his um, in his young adult years, he recognises that expecting that everything's going to work out is not the same as mm. deep found joy mm. in the difficult circumstances. And so I'm pretty sure that's one of the reasons why we're together because mm. I've got too much hope. And sometimes he needs to remember, like even in grief, there is loads, mm. loads that God's up to mm. that's a gift. And I also just love that actually when you're on the lookout for it, it's not necessarily that everything works out in the right way. You you didn't pray that prayer or feel that sadness about giving up the van and suddenly another van appear at your door or suddenly the answer come to what no. you do next. What you get is a reminder that actually takes a little digging. It would have been really easy to bump into Chris Akabusi, have a hug, set him up with your dad and then walk on. It's that ability right. of being God aware and self aware, like you said, to go, oh, hold on. God's showing me my past. He's showing me my present and he's showing me the future sorted. Like there's something about that sense That's of... It being aware and awake to that, which I guess then really helps in terms of how you go on to receive joy. That feels really, yeah, really profound. That's to me. right. That's exactly it. Miriam, we've got one more choice and one more question. So the last choice you have to make for our walk is uh, what's in the snack bag? Um, anything with peanut butter, Ooh. a milk chocolate covered peanut butter pretzel. Dream. Not a problem in America. Have it. Yeah. You can even put a cheese cracker with peanut butter and they make that. I'm not saying I would want that. You're stretching it for me, but I'll, uh, I'll give it a go. I'll have one. If you bring them, I'll mate, eat one. There's nothing, <laughs> there's nothing they've not put peanut butter in. It's, it's all weird, but it's all like worth a go. Like not every day, but if you're on the Appalachian Trail, have a chocolate covered peanut butter pretzel. That's all I'm saying. I'm just saying, I know you've said not every day, but that's not a rule for all of us, is it? Me and Mother Teresa, we might be doing it every day. That's all I'm saying. I'm just saying, Mother <laughs> Teresa and I might be having the peanut butter every day. That's Mama T, she'll yeah. be all over it. She'll be, she'll be all over Absolutely all over that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, Miriam, one final question, which is, how do we mature in service? By doing it, I think. Mm. Um, serving is the way of discipleship. Um, I think something that's vital... Uh, even working with students is that um, a way for you to feel like you belong in a community, uh, particularly thinking about belonging in the church community. If you're processing, even if you're processing what you believe, Mm. serve. Mm. Um, And and that is also a challenge to those who have the kind of leadership space that I really think um, everyone is the opportunity to serve, even if they're on the journey to this and might not him yet as, as God with us service is the way of discipleship we Mm. can't ever graduate from serving Mm. and um and i also think we can really run the risk in our 20s of being so hung up on what am i called to do Mm. that we miss that primarily who you're called to be is a friend of jesus a disciple a follower a close follower of god Mm. and that to um to serve is often a gateway to calling you know my boss um in fusion he hates calling him his boss but it's fun so I do it um he was just like don't worry about getting a vision for your life serve somebody else in their vision Mm. and um watch what God does Mm. as you serve Mm. and I remember that with fusion I thought I don't know if I'm called to fusion forever um this is when I thought I might work for fusion for a year and then I'd run out of stories Mm. and 10 years in clearly I got that wrong Mm. I just thought I so respect uh Rich who leads fusion I Mm. so respect his character and his humility and um, the way he does family, does mm. local church mm. and serves nationally. Mm. I'd serve that guy. Mm. I'd serve that guy because he looks like he looks like he 
knows something about the kingdom mm. and he's close to Jesus. So mm. I just got behind his vision and mm. it's just like he had got behind Roger Ellis's vision who mm. started fusion mm. and served and, um, and out of service, I grew into my own space of calling, mm. but it came from serving somebody else who I wanted to be around. Mm. I could see the fingerprints of Jesus on. Mm. Um, I think it's vital, particularly for our identity as we're mm. forming it in our early adult years. Mm. For me, um, something you said about allowing people to serve even when they're in a moment of questioning or not quite what, um, you know, no one's ever there, but that sense of they haven't made that necessary right. decision yet. Um, and I think that's a really tricky thing for people. And and also, I guess, for students, because often when you go to university, if you've moved away, you go to a new church and there can almost be this kind of hesitation to let students serve because they go away for six to eight weeks of the year. And there can be a hesitation because, well, we don't know them and we haven't had this. Or that. How important is it for you then that we, we do find opportunities and ways for people to get involved and serve? Vital, absolutely vital. If you want students to understand a theology is that they are the church, they don't go to church then you can't just have them as seat fillers on a Sunday and not see them for a whole week mm. and think that you've done your service. Mm. Even calling it a service, that might be serving the people, but mm. it should be both ways. Mm. Like it should also be a moment of service for us, of mm. God, to one another, to mm. neighbor. Mm. And so, you know, I remember my church had a three month rule to sort of um, let people be present and learn the community when they first joined in. But with students, we recognized we needed to accelerate that every term feels like a year mm. in the student time zone. Mm. And so by the end of a student year, you've lived three years with your housemates. Mm. That's what it feels like. Mm. And so just recognizing we did, we weren't ever going to put somebody, give them a microphone on week two because service to the hidden service is more mm. important. You know, mm. if they're not willing to be on the coffee around the kids, if they're not interested in, helping with the car park mm -hmm. then mm -hmm. you, you probably don't want to give them the microphone because do they know what worship is mm -hmm. like but to get students involved at every level of church life and community um is vital for them to actually feel like they're in a family feel mm -hmm. like they matter mm -hmm. for them to be missed if they're mm -hmm. not there on sunday mm -hmm. and for them to have a, a good theology of church which mm -hmm. is people mm -hmm. working together as a moving missional breathing body mm -hmm. not a service on a Sunday. And, and that's vital uh, because I think something you said there about sometimes it can feel like um, we're trying people out. I'm doing bunny ears. I always do this on a podcast. No one can see me. I have to now say I'm doing bunny ears. <laughs> no one can see about trying people out. <laughs> it's not about going, well, if you do six weeks of coffee and then you do eight weeks of this and 10 weeks of kids. Graduating. Day, it's, not, it's, there's no, it's not a pyramid scheme. And, and I guess with students that can sometimes feel how it is because it's like, like you know, well, you know, we'd love you to be involved, but actually we'd like you to, but it isn't that. It's about recognizing that if your culture as a church is one of serving, that means everyone right. is seen to serve everyone is serving uh, then actually you're inviting people into that rather than going the students get to do the coffee but the people who are here all the time we get to do the the other jobs that's right that's right and also just recognizing if there is anyone that thinks students we only get them for three years and they go or they only get them for six eight eight weeks and then they go or whatever the truth is give them a reason to stay yeah if they feel like they've got the vision for the city mm. for their neighbors mm. not just the campus mm. Uh, give them a reason to stay. Mm. Give them a reason to serve over the Easter holidays. Mm. Give them a reason to stay when they graduate. Mm. Jesus only had three years with his disciples and he did all right. So, mm. And how then, um, on the flip side of that, for then churches that are um, the, the back at home in a way, 
how does that then work in the other way? Because again, I've seen that happen in other churches where people come back and they're maybe going to be back home for eight, 10 weeks, but because they've been away, again, they're, they're not necessarily part of the team. They're not necessarily given those opportunities. How can churches do better right. at that? Yeah, and this is this is the two where students need to do better at not critiquing their home churches when they go home. Yeah, because we come back from having a lovely city church experience to you know speaking personally as well to my little rural church, mm. and you go, why on earth aren't we doing this and this mm. and this? This is obvious. It wasn't obvious to me six months ago, mm. but now I'm a grown up. <laughs> now I've done the coffee rotor in a church plant. Mm-hmm. I understand these mm. things. So for young adults going back, particularly listening to this, going back for your Christmas holidays, just just clock that um, your church has been very, very faithful at home mm. and you will be a deep encouragement to them. Not if you mm-hmm. critique them, mm-hmm. but if you share good news stories mm. and if you get your hands dirty in mm. service and churches at home, just recognize again, young adults are slightly homeless. Mm-hmm. They kind of start usually using the word home for both where they grew up and you know, mm. right now. And so rather than judge them for it, get them involved, mm. get them to give testimonies of, What's it like mm. trying to follow Jesus at university mm. so that the church know how to pray mm. and they know you care, mm. like you are interested mm. in every season mm. of discipleship, including mm. the bits away from where they grew up, which mm. is an important part mm. of becoming. And so, yeah, create opportunities and even just make sure you've gathered your returning students for dinner, like yeah. as do family, Simple. just do yeah. family and listen yeah. to the stories yeah. and share wisdom. It's, yeah. you know, it's important. I had the privilege many years ago to do some training for a gap year right at the start of their year. And one of the things I used to do was I used to get them to to write out some of the ideas and draw some of the way they saw the year panning out for them and the development they were going to go through and the placement and all the rest of it. And then at the end of that, I would say, no, I want you to tell me where your home church is going to be in a year. What a good question. Because as humans, we all do this. We go to we go to university, we go to the gap year, we go somewhere new and time sort of stops everywhere else. So we come back changed, we come back new, we come back wearing our University of Hull sweatshirt, but everyone else is just where they were and we don't <laughs> so know the difference. Right. So and I think what you just said is so important is that it's a two way street churches. You've got to be willing to make those spaces. But actually, yeah, for the young adults coming back as well, life has also changed there. Like things are different. Things are are better. And I love the idea of not offering critique, but coming back and and, and being, do you know what, being curious. Isn't that like, isn't that the most, like the first so step, good. right? Be curious. Like just That's start it. with curiosity. Like how is it where you are? How has it been here? Are two great questions <laughs> that sort of take away any hierarchy because everyone's starting in the same curious position for you then Miriam um, on this last question you've talked a bit about being a young adult finishing uni starting infusion all of those things to where you are now completely different country married in a completely new culture and setting how would you say you would reflect your own maturing in service what's different for you Mm. now than it would have been 10 years ago Oh, gosh, I know far less. And I'm aware of that. I studied theology in my late 20s. Mm. And that was a humbling process because it showed me how much I didn't know, mm. humbled my teaching as well as expanded my horizons mm. for, I haven't come up with ideas fresh from the Bible. Actually, people have written books for hundreds of years on some of this stuff, mm. but it actually makes us stronger to learn from one another, not I have to be so unique and clever. Living amongst people of a completely different heritage, mm. socioeconomic background, um, Middlesbrough changed my life forever, mm. living amongst people that have uh, didn't finish school uh, unemployed mm. generational addiction and poverty mm. and discovering the spirit of jesus in them alive mm. and well um discovering more about love your neighbor from my muslim neighbors than i ever expected that humbled me and grew me up because i recognized serving as a two-way street mm. and some of the most gift like the biggest times of god's provision in middlesbrough was when i come home late having just got off a flight for somewhere for work mm. 
and the Muslim family next door would knock on the door with a tray full of food because they'd seen I'd been away four days and mm. they knew I wouldn't have anything in the fridge. Mm. And I'm like, who does that? I live mm. on my own. I'm 28 years old. Mm. It's the dark. It's a dark night and I can't walk out my house safely on my own. That That's the gift of God. And mm. um, yeah, and just doing brave has grown me up like choosing not to stay in my comfort zone that isn't me blowing my own trumpet that is that is acknowledging the fact that it's really it was really easy for me to stay in a lovely white middle class bubble around mm. education and popular in a small community and instead choosing to do brave things that meant mm. anonymity mm. being anonymous in, in america for over a year mm. having to take a sabbatical so i wasn't even working to prove myself in any way mm. choosing to get married when you found out how to thrive single mm that Jesus is enough, mm. got a big deal. Choosing to move amongst people that do not care where you're from, what you do as a job, mm. but they do care if you show up for your neighbor because mm. that's that's their street, is their mm. world. Mm. And yeah, choosing to serve people that can't give you anything or get you anywhere. Mm. That kind of stuff has profoundly changed me. Maybe it's blessed them. It's profoundly changed me mm. in my approach to the world, to humanity, mm. and a sense of where Jesus is and my own importance being in the right place and not too highly elevated mm, through all of that mm. you've talked about god aware and self-aware and you've said it a few times and it's it's really struck me because that sense of there's a certain amount of being confident in who god is that allows you then to be confident in who you are it's okay to go mm -hmm. i've been brave it's okay to go i was thriving single and getting married was was a was a brave decision for me it's okay to go i had to become anonymous i think those things are about being God aware and self aware and being able to say, I know who God is and therefore I can know who I am. And I think that's probably something a lot of us could could do quite well to take a bit of and, and try a bit more of maybe sure. even this week. So um yeah, thank you for that. That's been really helpful. Miriam, that's it. We're out of time. I want to say a huge thanks for for being on the podcast. It's been so lovely to meet you and to talk to you. Uh, people can find out more on the Fusion website, I guess, can they? Yeah, that's right. Fusionmovement.org. And I'm on uh I'm on your social media stuff, Miriam G. Swanson. I changed my name. I was Swaffield. Now it's Swanson. Oh. That's another area of humility. So uh, Miriam G. Swanson. Kept the first three letters the same. Okay, good. Well, that, yo, yo. <laughs> Compromise. <laughs> I was like, right, I've got, I had to marry someone where it was a little bit like Swaffield. Yeah, yeah, to... yeah, 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 yeah. That was the yeah. kind of the main thing. That was the main <laughs> that, filter. That's it, yeah. really. That was, yeah, priority number one. <laughs> it's, an incredibly, it's an incredible way to be picky, isn't it? I like it. It's like... <laughs> It's so niche, isn't it? <laughs> oh, gosh, oh, never good. mind. Uh, Don't take that advice. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you so much. It has been uh, genuinely a lot of fun to talk to you. And I, and I honestly think there's been so much in there, so rich for people to kind of take away from and learn from. And yeah, people should check out the website and also find you on social media as well. Thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate it. You're welcome. Good to chat. A huge thanks to Miriam for being on the podcast. So much great stuff in that conversation for all of us to take away. And I would encourage you, check out the Fusion website. It's fusionmovement.org. You can get loads of great resources for students and for churches who have got students. And it's absolutely brilliant. That's it for this episode. But don't forget to share the podcast across your social media channels. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, we'd love it if you could give the show a rating or write us a review. And you can also now access our brilliant sketch notes and small group questions that accompany each episode. Just search for the All Terrain Podcast or click the link in the episode description. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be back next time with another guest who'll be facing the four choices, answering the four questions and sharing their wisdom learned along the way on the All Terrain Podcast. Podcast.